Are you tired of your valuable ideas and suggestions getting lost in the shuffle? Well, that is why I'm introducing Direct Suggest, the revolutionary digital suggestion box that puts your voice front and center. With Direct Suggest, you have the power to make a difference in your organization. Direct Suggest provides value to organizations in various industries worldwide, including notable brands like Comcast, TD Bank, and Nokia. And here's the best part. Direct Suggest only costs 50 cents per employee per month, making it an affordable solution for businesses of all sizes. Plus, they have an incredibly high ROI and savings potential with an average 33 times return on investment. The implementation process is also a breeze. Once committed, setting up Direct Suggest from start to finish can be completed in as quickly as a week or less. Don't let your ideas or your team's ideas go unnoticed. Visit directsuggest.com today and start by making a difference with Direct Suggest. Use the promo code HUMANHR for your extended 60-day free trial. Again, visit directsuggest.com to learn more and remember to use promo code HUMANHR for an extended free trial. Direct Suggest, where your voice matters. Welcome to the Bringing the Human Back to Human Resources podcast. I'm Tracy Chernoff, and I've spent my entire professional career in HR. Each week, we'll explore the delicate balance between people and business with the aim to reconnect the two and create meaningful outcomes. Listen in as I share my own experiences, challenge the status quo, and chat with guests from various industries about our mission to bring the human back to human resources. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here for another week. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, share this episode with a friend, wherever you're listening or watching this, just do all those things. And you'll especially want to share this with a friend um, if they are interested or considering breaking into HR or a career in HR, because this is literally what we're going to be talking about today um, or this week, I should say. And it's, it's really kind of hopefully demystifying what it is that we actually do and bringing some clarity to what it is that we actually do, um, because there are definitely some misconceptions there. The other thing that I've been mentioning every week that I want to mention again here is that I have my website, hrtracy.com, that's Tracy with an I, and I would love for you to subscribe to my newsletter. There's a ton of great content there, and if you don't follow me yet on Instagram, make sure you do that too, hrtracy. It's hrtracy pretty much everywhere, so follow me and stay connected. Um, Okay, so again, this week we're talking about what HR really is and what it is that we really do. So I was inspired by a Reddit thread on the human resources subreddit, and I didn't like save it. So I'm going to try and find it because it was really, really interesting. I think it was titled like, or the subject was, why do people think that HR is the psychologist of the business? And I was like, preach, let's read more about that. So I'm trying to find it now, but essentially um, what it inspired me or why it inspired me was because everyone in the thread was talking about why that perception exists and that there's so much more to what we do in HR you know, outside of just like listening. Okay. So I found it. It's titled, why is HR perceived as the workplace psychologist? And so again, I was inspired because I was like, yeah, this is really true. People have this total misconception around what we do. And then when people want to break into HR, they might think that this is actually all that we do. So I want to read for you what this Redditor, I'm new to Reddit, so I don't know if I'm using the terms correctly. I downloaded Reddit like two or three months ago and I love it now, um, but I don't know why it's taken me so long to download. Anyway, this person wrote, I've been working in HR for a year now and I mainly take care of administration and HRAS. 
While my work involves some level of contacts from employees, the communication is centered around more technical questions like benefits and so on. I never had many expectations for my job in HR, but to me, it seems that a lot of people are interested in a career in HR because they're interested in a quote unquote softer role in the company. Usually this means they're interested in well-being, internal communications, but it also seems that a lot of people think they'll become a type of workplace psychologist. In my home country, a stereotypical HR worker would be an older auntie, quote unquote, that listens to employees, etc. When I hear people's expectations of working in HR, it seems that they don't often understand how numbers oriented it can be. This is not to say there is no human dimension in HR, but in my experience, these roles are quite rare. What were your expectations of working in HR? Where do you think misunderstandings of working in HR stem from? So this was such an amazing subreddit. I wish I actually like knew who this person was because I honestly kind of just want to talk to them directly because I, I think it's a one, a really great um, like juxtaposition of like what you expect your role to be and what it actually is. But then also it's a great like window into what it is that we do. So this person is in a more admin heavy role. They said that they're an admin in HRIS. And so naturally that does lend itself to more technical work, as they said. And so this all led me to think about my own career and just HR in general, because I get so much outreach from people who want to break into HR, thanks to the podcast. But then also I get a ton of outreach from people who are in HR that are like, people don't understand what I do. How do I get my company to value my work more? And so on and so forth. So let's start with this. I actually posted on Instagram like a little sticker. I think that's what they're called where you can like respond and add your insight. And I basically asked, you know, what is it that you wish people knew about your job, about HR, you know, that they potentially don't understand to be part of your role? Um, Someone said, what it means for us when handling employee relations. Someone else said auditing and compliance. Someone else said the numbers game, like meaning they they kind of expanded saying like Excel and how much data and analytics you go through. And that was kind of how I posed the question on Instagram because I think that is probably the biggest misunderstanding is that we are not just talking to people all day, every day. Certainly that is a part of the job, but there is also this huge influence or requirement to analyze data. So I want to break this down. Let's first talk about this subreddit and the admin and, you know, the technical side of HR. If you're listening to this because you want to understand what HR really does, do not take this with a grain of salt. What I'm telling you is 90% accurate, I would say, to like what most HR jobs look like. There's a lot of administrative work. There is a technical burden, like especially if you're managing systems and tools like in an HRIS role. But actually, I've never been in a role where I didn't have some sort of like requirement to be in systems and really like an expert within this technology. So you do have to be able to self-navigate technology and different systems and softwares. Also, the administrative burden doesn't really get that much lighter as you grow in your career. I'm a senior director right now, and I still have a very heavy administrative burden. And I think that most people do, unless they have this huge HR team where they have maybe a couple of admins that manage all of the administrative work, 
or even like an executive assistant or something where then they're not necessarily doing all of that. But as you grow in your HR career, there's what is potentially replaced, like that administrative burden where that might be replaced. It's replaced with the data analytics. So you're as you grow in HR, you're moving potentially away from data entry to then data analysis. And that's kind of what inspired me to make this episode outside of what I read on sub on on Reddit, because in my role, I do so much uh, analysis on data and I'm looking at Excel spreadsheets constantly, even while my job is demanding in the sense of being available to people, having a lot of conversations, performance management, employee relations, and all of that. So if you are interested in a career in HR, you have to be willing to juggle all of that. And you have to be strong at analysis. You have to have like an analytical mindset. You do have to be a problem solver. These are not like quote unquote soft skills. And if you listen to my episode with my friend Erin Deal a, a little while back, I think I actually, there were two episodes with her. She doesn't call them soft skills. She calls them power skills. So what are soft skills? Like this ability to communicate, interpersonal relationships, empathy, right? Those are like power skills. And I, I agree. I don't think they're soft skills because they're really important and there's nothing soft about them. Um, but HR is way more than that. So I think thinking about this subreddit, right, we understand that this person is in a more technical role. So let's say we look at an HR generalist role. This role is not so different from, or that role is not so different from the role that the uh, Reddit, the Redditor, am I using these terms correctly? I really hope I'm using these terms correctly. Otherwise, I'm just going to sound like a, an, like an elder millennial, which technically I don't think I'm an elder millennial, but anyway, whatever. Just work with me here. Redditor, this Redditor posted that they're an HIS, right? The, an HR generalist role is not that much different. An HR generalist is just potentially managing a little bit more. They are going to be heavily involved in the HRIS or the PEO. They're going to be heavily involved in data entry and administrative work, and their administrative burden will be greater um, or potentially equal to that of someone in HRIS. Um, they are going to be managing open enrollment and annual reviews and uh, employee engagement events and recognition. They're handling everything. That's why it's called HR generalists. This is probably one of the more common roles in HR and a common link to other HR roles until you specialize, if you specialize. So many of you know, if you've listened to the podcast for a little while, I started out in basically what was an HR generalist role. It was titled HR manager, but really effectively the job was HR generalist. And so it was comprehensive, everything, employee relations, like I said, HRAS, uh, performance management employee benefits and leaves and all of that, right? Like every, it's kind of like if you imagine in The Lion King, like anything that the sun touches is yours. That is like an HR generalist role. So um, take that with you, Simba. Anyway, I love The Lion King. That's, I'm just, I won't, I won't digress too much here. I promise. I'm going to, I'm going to leave it there. Anyway, so that's an HR generalist role, right? So let's say someone then moves from an HR generalist role to an HR business partner role. When they move to an HR business partner role, some of the administrative burden is a little bit reduced, but there is an increase in the requirement to be very hands-on with people. 
And so HR business partners often are super focused on employee relations and performance management, talent development, um, succession planning, uh, project planning, right? So now we're getting into a different type of HR in the weeds. You are still confronted with this administrative burden in the sense of managing performance management, managing all of those employee relations issues that might come up. Most companies are not necessarily using technology that kind of allows all of this information to sit somewhere. So if you're taking, or when you're taking notes, or if you're doing investigations and the notes that come of that, um, any like conversations that you're having that you're documenting, you're writing those down, you're filing them somewhere. You might file them in the employee's files, but you are still doing some element of data entry, right? And you are still involved in the tools and systems. And on top of that, you do have to, in my opinion, have to be an expert in the tools and systems that the company uses if they use any, because as a business partner, you have to be the, you're, you're the first resource, the first line of HR for whether it's a department or a, a certain group of employees. And so you have to be able to be equipped with the answers if someone needs troubleshooting or they need support. So it can still be a very technical or tactical role. Um, but again, I'm kind of trying to pose this understanding that then what is reduced in some of like the generalized elements of HR, you are not only becoming more of an expert in, but you also are taking on like a more problem solving role and a bit of a more, um, or I should say a bit of a, of a, a role where you're guiding discussions and like the, the impact of team engagement and culture. Like when I think about employee relations and performance management and talent development, all of that, you're kind of helping to create this ethos within a team um, and not just create it, but help it to become more successful, more connected, more positive, more engaging, and all of that. So HR business partners, while they're, again, their administrative burden might be a little bit less, the, the, the work that they're doing to mitigate risk and improve experiences is much greater through that skill set of problem solving and analytics. And certainly HR business partners are now starting to, you know, or not now, but I mean, the transition from an HR generalist to an HR business partner, one of the other differences is that now they are looking at reporting. They're potentially or potentially creating reporting or creating um, a window into the data that they've collected. So now you are, you know, having more of that analytical experience. So all of this to say is that HR business partners, is that's like really where the first transition kind of is made. And I'm going to go through this business partner track, which is pretty similar to HR manager. I think I've talked about this before. There aren't a ton of differences. I think HR manager sometimes is an elevated generalist role and a business partner role could be a little bit more specific to, again, like that risk mitigation and being involved with a specific team and things like that. But really just for, for today's purposes, let's assume that business partners and managers have a fairly similar role. HR managers might be a little, in certain companies or certain industries, might be a little bit more closely connected to generalists and still managing that full process, um, whereas business partners might be a little bit more specialized, again, depending on the business and the industry. Like sometimes you'll see jobs that are employee relations HR business partner or HR business partner employee engagement or employee uh, HR business partner engineering, right, for certain departments. 
So it can be a little bit more specialized, whereas HR manager is kind of like a step up from HR generalist and potentially doing all of those general HR functions. But I don't know, I've held all of those roles. And I think that while they all are fairly similar, the biggest difference is that you are expanding in your scope and you're elevating the work that you're doing. But again, there's still that administrative burden. Now, in the HR business partner role, I think that's probably one of the first places that you're really using spreadsheets and looking at data the most in a different way from an HRIS or like an administrative role because that role is more data entry, whereas HR business partner, HR manager is more about data analytics. So um, as we continue on in the HR growth path, I guess, let's think about some more specialized roles like payroll or even a, a more specific like comp and ben um, or comp compensation and benefits. That's comp and ben is just short for compensation and benefits. Those roles, payroll, compensation, benefits are all numbers. You are very seldom working with or interacting with people in the way that an HR business partner, an HR manager, and even HR generalist is going to interact. So those, those uh, roles, payroll manager, payroll assistant or administrator, um, compensation and benefits specialist, compensation and benefits manager, those roles are very, very numbers heavy. If you are not strong in numbers and, 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 and analytics and problem solving, you will not be successful in those roles. Compensation and benefits is one of the most impactful roles that I have ever worked with. I've worked, I've had the pleasure of working with very, very strong compensation and benefits managers and directors. And effectively, they are like the finance for HR. They have this incredible way, I think I've talked about this before, of taking numbers and data and telling a story through it. There is very little interaction with the team, let's say like the broader team, not the HR team, of course, in those roles. Same with payroll. You're processing payroll. You have to understand compliance. You have to um, be really, really, really detail-oriented in payroll. Like if you can't look at numbers and identify really quickly where a spreadsheet is off, where a formula is off, that someone was not paid correctly or wouldn't be paid correctly, this role is not for you. So these, this like understanding, I think, is really important because so far, none of the roles that I've talked about or none of the expectations or, you know, responsibilities within these roles that I've talked about is a soft job, quote unquote, or a job that doesn't require, you know, a deeply bound skill set for analysis. If your company is remote or hybrid, then you know just how difficult it can be to grow your company's culture beyond a pre-scheduled Zoom happy hour or occasional lunch and learn. Well, this week's sponsor is here to solve that. They're called CultureBot. CultureBot has devised what will likely become the gold standard for growing and blossoming a company culture inside of Slack. The app is like a sidekick for any HR or people professional, automating a lot of the mundane tasks you probably are forgetting to do on a daily basis. Things like birthday and work anniversary celebrations, team shout outs and kudos, employee introductions, and remote games. It even has health and wellness tips and conversation starters. If that piques your interest, this will get you even more excited. 
Today, I'm able to share a special promotion for listeners of the podcast. You can get your first six months of CultureBot for 50% off. Plus, if your team is under 25 employees, CultureBot is free forever. So if you're looking for a way to create a culture of appreciation and drive increased engagement and togetherness across your team, I definitely recommend checking out CultureBot. Go to getculturebot.com slash humanhr. That's getculturebot.com slash humanhr to get the offer. Plus, I've added the link in the show notes, so you can just click right there. Now, let's get back to the podcast. And critical thinking and problem solving. So, you know, again, kind of coming back to this subreddit, there are so many people, I'm sure, that have this misconception that HR is not solving problems, that HR is, you know, kind of just there to engage and speak with the team or be a resource to the team and that there is, you know, a a severe cost associated with HR departments. And while the first two in terms of like being there for the team and creating engagement and all that stuff, that is true. That is part of the job, at least for, you know, maybe a generalist, manager, business partner, director, Um, Even this person in HRIS, like maybe if they're the only person in the company doing, you know, HR generalist work and HRIS work, maybe they are also a resource. But more often than not, people in HR roles are doing way more than that. Um, And I do think that this misconception around what HR really does is typically the thing, for lack of a better phrase, it's the thing that holds us back from scaling HR departments more, better, and more quickly. I have been definitely on the receiving end of, you know, throughout my career of having to explain what HR does to my own, you know, business, like colleagues, let's say, and like leadership, um, just because there is a either a a failure to understand HR, which is fine because if you're not in HR, I get it. Maybe that's why you don't understand it. Or maybe there was a failure in someone's past to have a strong HR partner who really demonstrated all of the things that HR does to grow um, a successful business. Because while HR definitely could be seen as a cost center, I've talked about this a million times over, HR is not a cost center when you think about what drives talented, engaged, and retained teams. If we all have the same goal of retaining talent and driving engaged teams, and we know that when you retain your talent and your your teams are happy and people feel supported, that they are going to have better outputs and better results and therefore drive the business forward and up. Results will increase and improve, right? So therein, HR can't be a cost center if HR is successful in mitigating risk, retaining the team through conversations with business leaders, because of course, HR is not the sole responsible party in retaining a team or driving an engaged uh, team or, you know, talent pool. That is absolutely not the case. We support all of those things. And the better the HR partner in their ability to analyze data and problem solve and critically think, the easier other colleagues are, the easier that process will be for other colleagues to understand what they have to do um, to improve their team's experience, but also to improve the overall business, business's success and the business output. So 
um, you know, that's a, that is a hill I'll die on that HR is not a cost center. And, you know, if someone wants to take it up with me, I'd be happy to engage in a, in a, in a disagreement with them because I, I just, that is something that just totally grinds my gears. Anyway, don't let me digress. I want to come back to what uh, was submitted on Instagram, this idea of what it means for us when handling employee relations. My understanding of this person's submission is that there is, you know, maybe a limited working knowledge around what employee relations really is. Employee relations is, you know, a situation where someone is making a complaint, a formal complaint against someone else, or just a complaint in general. Harassment situations, intimidation situations, um, lawsuits, anything that kind of creates uh, a need for HR to get involved, right? If two people are having a conflict or three people are having a conflict, if an employee is uh, insubordinate with a manager, all of those things are considered kind of connected to employee relations or ER as we shorten it. And I think this person said what it means for us when handling employee relations, I I am going, you know, I'm, I'm going to guess here that this person is saying like, for us, it is so time intensive. It requires so much energy and so much time. And those are two different things. Like the time that it requires, it like you, this is not like a, a one day thing most of the time. Like these employee relations situations, especially if they're more complex or more complicated or involve more people, like if there's some investigation that has to happen in a workplace, it's really, really, really time intensive. It could take hours to review camera footage. It could take hours to speak to employees. It could take hours to get witness statements. It could take hours to understand what had been done in the past or any historical information. That stuff takes a ton of time. And then the energy cost is also super high. Every single thing that you had to do for that day or that week or however many weeks it might take to resolve this issue now become priority B. And so all of that energy that you've had or that you have to have to do your job now goes in fully invested into this employee relations situation. And by the way, there could be multiple situations happening at once. This is totally irrelevant to the size of the company. Things happen. People are people. And, you know, employee relations waits for no one. So you could be dealing with multiple ER investigations or issues at a time. And so a person who typically is an HR business partner, but maybe again, HR manager, depending on the size of the company, maybe even an HR generalist. And then of course, director level are dealing with these issues. And like I've said, the time requirement is very, very intense. And so your energy is also depleting, right? Because it takes so much energy to have these conversations, to review video footage, to to go through and understand the historical information, to look up documentation, to look up emails that might have been, you know, the, the correspondence, I should say, over email or over chat that might have happened that could paint a picture or help to um, better understand what kind of caused the situation. All of that is super energy intensive. So I think there is, I agree with this person, if I'm assuming correctly, that there is an, a misunderstanding as to what it takes to handle these things and what it takes 
to actually see through an employee relations situation or investigation through to the end. And then, by the way, once it's over, it's not over. Sometimes people are terminated. Sometimes people are put on corrective action. Sometimes people are suspended. Sometimes people are suspended within the the moment, within the investigation. So that creates an operational burden on the team. And there's like all of this emotion usually around this process, right? And it's a lot. So then once that whole process is done, then let's say the person's terminated or they're returned to active duty or whatever, you know, then you have to make sure that all of your notes are retained in a folder, that anything that's relevant to an employee, if they have to sign a corrective action, that then that's uploaded to their employee files. Like all of this stuff doesn't end when it ends. There is still some sort of data entry and analysis on the situation. And then there's the the action taken where it's like, okay, how do we prevent this from happening again? How do we prevent this from happening in another environment or with other people? And so then it's like, okay, well, we, we've had to act and react to this situation. How do we act proactively now to prevent this going forward? So then you have more critical thinking, you have more analysis, right? More problem solving. It's very intensive. Um, I, I've had employee relations issues last weeks sometimes, sometimes more than weeks, sometimes months, just depending on the level of complexity and, and the, you know, the, what is the subject matter of the ER issue. So it is really intense. And I think, you know, uh, business, business leaders outside of HR in general, if they don't understand this like 911 mentality that HR leaders have to have, the ability to just drop everything focus on whatever is priority A at that time, and then be able to continue the rest of their role. Because of course, there are certain things that have to just continue while you are prioritizing priority A. All of those things can't just be dropped, right? So it's a lot. It would benefit everyone in an organization to really understand what HR is doing day to day. And it's not to say that ER is happening every day or every week, but priorities come up randomly things come up randomly where you have to drop everything and address that issue and it happens often and again it doesn't have to be an er issue it could be auditing it could be a compliance thing it could be literally anything and so i wanted to actually use this as a segue to mention this other point around auditing and compliance compliance obviously is a huge part of HR. We are not all of us are attorneys. I'm not an attorney, but there are HR people who have their JDs um, and have, you know, obviously completed law school. And that is a great skill to have because you know the law. But for those of us who are not attorneys, we have to be well-versed enough in the law and compliance to be able to guide businesses and leaders in the right direction and mitigate risk. And there's obviously a lot of risk if you are not confident in compliance and employment law. And there's a lot of legal risk if you assume or you take action without knowing whether it's compliant or not. There's obviously also that interaction that you have to have with attorneys, whether in-house or um, out-of-house counsel. And so that is a huge part of things too. And auditing is a great point to, to mention because people often don't realize that there are um, audits that are done annually. There are audits that are done more than annually. Like depending on the industry, you could have um, SOC 1 or SOC 2 audits and compliance, and you have to go through all of this 
like uh, data mining and finding all of this information to show that, you know, the business practices are compliant. And then on top of that, we have EEOC reporting and pay data reporting and all of that compliance auditing that happens year after year. It takes a lot of time. It, ta- it requires a ton of accuracy in your um, data entry. And so those things, that's it's all numbers, it's all data entry, it's all administrative work, right? So those are things that if someone does not understand the the burden there or the re, you know the requirements and the time that it takes to complete those things too, they're going to be in for a rude awakening. So I realize I have gone on such a rambling tangent here about what HR really does, but I'm trying to paint a very accurate picture of how this is not a career or a job for someone who's looking to just be like a face for employees to come to and to not do anything else. This is, it's just, that doesn't exist anywhere in HR. Every HR role has an administrative burden and HR in general requires a skill set that is uh, highly problem solving, highly analytical, and highly uh, adept at critical thinking. And if you don't have those three things on top of a ton of other skills, you're not only going to struggle, but you're probably not going to be successful. So if you struggle with analyzing data or information, if you struggle with thinking critically, if you're not really a self-starter, if you don't like having to pivot and drop things at the at a without uh, any notice, like at a, you know, all of a sudden, I can't think of the phrase I'm thinking of, but at the drop of a hat, I guess, is it? Um, then this is, it's just not the job for you. It's not the career for you. So hopefully for those of you who are in HR, you feel really validated um, that I see you and we all understand that what we do is so much more than just being there for people, whatever that means. And by the way, we are not psychologists either. I just spoke with someone recently about how employees, I think, sometimes think that you can just come to HR and vent without any, you know, interest in a solution. And that's not accurate. You employees can absolutely come to you and vent, but they have to understand that as a problem solver, being in HR, your next step is not to just be like, okay, thanks so much for like looping me in on all of this. Your next step has to be, okay, how are we going to solve for this? What can we do? What outcomes do you want? What are you hoping to get out of this? We are not just like, we're not just listeners. If you need to vent about something or you need someone to listen to, you you probably need to get a therapist, right? Because that's not what we do. We have to help solve business or mission critical processes and problems. And when someone is coming to us with concerns, we listen, but we also have to problem solve. If we're not problem solving, then we're not doing the other 50% of our job in that moment. So um, I think all of that, hopefully, again, is validating for those of you who are in HR. And if there's someone, again, that you know who wants to break into HR that needs a better understanding of what HR really does, this is probably a good place for them to start um, or at least a good place for them to end if they've listened to the other podcast episodes before. Um, And then hopefully, if you're someone who wants to break into HR, this didn't scare you away, but rather further clarified for you what the job really presents. And, you know, 33 minutes doesn't cut it. There's so much more to what we do. 
Um, but it is, I think those suggestions, what I read on the subreddit and sharing my own experience has hopefully helped to paint like a high level picture for you around what you could expect. So thanks for listening to me ramble and uh, go off on all of my tangents today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. And uh, again, follow me on Instagram and subscribe to my newsletter on my website, hrtracy.com. Thank you so much, and I will see you next week. Hey, just before you go, don't forget to subscribe to the show so that you are the first to hear when an episode drops each week. And maybe leave a five-star review and a comment about how much you loved this episode. Plus, if you have someone in mind who would really enjoy this episode, make sure you share it with them. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll see you next week.